So, last time we talked about paying attention and saying hello to life. And at the end of the episode, I posed this question: Is our life a stack of papers to be stamped, and do we cash out based on the number of sheets completed? If you have no idea what I'm talking about, I recommend going back to the first episode and listening to it first. Okay, now that you've done that, back to the question. It's kind of a sad imagery, isn't it? And I think most people would agree. No, life is not like that. We're not some kind of robots in a factory. Life is supposed to be about love and joy, pursuit of happiness, adventure, service, overcoming challenges, whatever it is for you. That's what life is about. But the real question is then: Do we really treat it that way, as individuals and as a society? I don't know about you, but I grew up with a vague sense that my life was pretty much mapped out for me on this linear and generic timeline, which goes like this: For the first couple decades of your life, you're a kid and a student. And you better be a good one and not stray too much, so you can get into a good college. When you get into a good college, you can get a good job, and then you can start building your career and working towards the holy grail of financial independence. At the same time, you somehow manage to find the love of your life. You get married, you start a family, you buy a house, and you pay it off for the next thirty years. You work hard, you raise the kids. Making sure that they get into a good school and get a good job too. You get to go on vacation once in a while. And you're allowed to keep a couple of hobbies, maybe three if you can manage it. And don't forget the 401k and the Roth IRAs, so you can retire in peace when the time comes. Which, by the way, you are so looking forward to. Come age sixty, you start your tenure as a senior citizen. You get to finally retire and enjoy the fruits of your hardworking years, and the benefits and discounts, and that Alaskan cruise. There you go, stamped all the papers. You might have your own version of this kind of American dream. Maybe the details are a little different, but you get the point. It's a roadmap, so to speak, that I've picked up and cobbled together from various sources throughout my life, including authority figures like parents and teachers, the media, my peers, and the general sentiment and attitude floating around in our society. And I had internalized at least parts of it growing up, until in my mid twenties when I started questioning all of it. And it comes down to this: if I imagine myself at eighty years old, sitting on my rocking chair by the fireplace, with my glasses on, and knitting an ugly sweater for my grandkid, listening to the oldies from the twenty twenties, maybe Billie Eilish. I'm the bad guy, and I ask myself, have I lived a good life? 
I have a feeling that my answer wouldn't have anything to do with what I just described. Okay, I'm not gonna lie. It would be nice to have some degree of material comfort, so I have a room with a fireplace and a rocking chair. But beyond that, what would really matter to me are my relationships, the people around me, and the people who have come and gone that I've cherished. And whether I've had the courage to follow my heart and live out my soul. And whether I've made a difference in someone's life. Whether I've contributed something positive to my community. And whether I've created a little bit of beauty and harmony in my corner of the universe. As my teacher would say, the questions would come down to, have I learned enough? Have I served enough? Have I loved enough? Don't get me wrong, I think it's good to have a roadmap in life. Otherwise, we'd just be lost. But I think the problem begins when we don't take the time to examine what is imposed on us from the outside. When something is imposed, it's about control. The society we have built, to a large extent, seeks to control us through the roles it gives us to play the boxes it puts us in, through the ideas of social norm and deviance, through peer pressure and ostracization, and through physical violence or the threat of physical violence. But I think the most subtle and fundamental way it is done is through time. From a young age, we learn that there's specific time for play, time for eating, Time for sleeping, time for going to the bathroom. As we get socialized, we learn to adjust ourselves physically and mentally to fit the structures of time around us. We learn to hold when we need to pee in school. We learn to get hungry and ready to eat three times a day. We learn to look forward to the sixth and seventh days of the week and to dread the eighth. We learn to calibrate our attention and focus in neat 60-minute chunks. We come to expect that a song should last 3 to 4 minutes. Some of us start putting certain substances in our bodies when our number turns into 18 or 21. Well, at least theoretically. I won't judge. We feel differently about ourselves when we have a 2 versus a 3 versus a 4 in the tenth digit of our age number. And if you come from a culture like mine, when you meet someone whose age number is less than yours, even just by one, but you can't round it off though, it has to be a full year, you suddenly feel like they owe you something and they better treat you with extra respect. The American dream example I described earlier is a timeline 
for when you should be hitting which milestones around what time in your life. Let's see. It takes four years to finish college, unless you're reckless and decide to go to grad school. Age 35 until it's risky to have a baby. 30 years to pay off the mortgage. 62 until you can receive social security. 59 and a half until you can withdraw from your retirement funds. So with the help of a little bit of math and research, seems like you can pretty much figure out when and where and what you're going to be doing for most of your life. That was sarcasm, in case it wasn't clear. But I'm not saying that it's a bad thing, or arbitrary even, to use concepts like age and years and time in thinking about and structuring life. In fact, I think it's wise to be aware of the seasons and rhythms of life and be able to accept and adapt to them as we grow older. That's smart. But again, I think the problem begins when we get hung up on this external representation of time and we lose touch with our actual experience and our relationship to life itself. We forget to pay attention to what's actually going on in us and around us. Do I actually want to take that job that pays more but stifles my soul? Do my loved ones need my care and presence right now, not in the future when things are settled and it makes more sense for me to be there? Do I dare to light the fire inside me and follow my passion like a madman or a madwoman? These things don't have anything to do with the numbers game. They have everything to do with what is alive right now. So, life versus numbers. It's like two different worlds. Here's a simple example that I'm sure everybody's felt at some point. Just because on your birthday, your age number changes, doesn't mean that you actually feel any different that day. Now, maybe you do feel different compared to a year ago. I hope you do. Something has changed in you, but can you put a finger on what day and what time exactly it happened? For me, compared to a year ago, I feel a drastic shift in my attitude towards relationships and community. I've also learned and integrated new skills and insights and... I've gotten to know a little more about myself and what I'm made of. And this was a gradual and definitely non-linear process. Chaotic even. And it's impossible to tell just how exactly these changes happened in the complex web of interconnected causes and effects, feedback loops, and back-and-forth roller coasters. In other words, it's got a life of its own that's mysterious to my mind that wants neat logical answers and a linear timeline. And we use things like numbers as an approximation to capture and represent these live processes. It's convenient, but it's not primary. Yeah,
the last episode, I mentioned that when you watch babies, they're always saying hello to life. They're taking in all of life as it comes, as they move through it and encounter and experience. They don't understand. Okay, it's nine o'clock. I've been playing for an hour now, and it's time to go read a book. And parents and teachers have to work really hard over a long period of time to teach them how to read the clock and the calendar and what it all means for their life. And for good reason, because it's part of being a functional human in our society. But if you think about it, it's actually no small feat, and not an insignificant act of violence to force someone to break their relationship to life into pieces. Eight o'clock, nine o'clock, ten o'clock, and start living from a place of trying to control. I gotta do this and that by this time, and I don't have time for this. Rather than fully feeling, experiencing, and relating. So, am I advocating for abolition of all clocks and calendars and going into the wilderness and living as free, primitive people? Not necessarily, although there was a time in my mid-twenties when I believed that was the solution to everything, and maybe I'll talk about that sometime. It'll be fun. At this point, what I will say is that the clock and the calendar and the society that runs on these can control us at a very fundamental level if we let them. In the last episode, when I brought up the two very different ways of experiencing massage, in the first one, the number 90 minutes was the main focus, was primary. And if you remember, my experience sounded like this. <sighs> in exchange for the money that society gives me, and that Alaskan cruise better be worth it. In the second case, my experience of my body, my relationship to the client, and my feeling of the moment was primary. And I mentioned that it was time actually well spent. I was fully there, paying attention to things. It was fun, I was curious and open. I was playing. And I still made the same amount of money and actually maybe even a little more in tips. But you see, if you start going after the tips, it's not gonna work. That's the little secret to life that I found. <laughs> and maybe I'll talk a little more about that next time. But in the meantime, I invite you to examine your relationship to time and how you experience life. Do you feel like your time is well spent? Do you feel like you never have any time? What do you do with your time? What would you like to do with your time? Alright guys, thank you so much for listening and I'll talk to you next time. Soulfully yours.